Let's pray as we read Ephesians, before we read Ephesians 6. Heavenly Father, we are looking forward to what you have for us this morning, and we want to say that our hearts are open to your word. I pray that scripture reads us today, Lord, that it cuts through all of the uh, preconceptions, all of the skepticism that we might bring to it, all of the all the all the ideas that we you know might have as we for those of us who have grown up in the church. I pray that we read these words fresh in Jesus' name, and that your Spirit would guide us through this conversation. And the church said, "Amen." Amen. Are you there with me to Ephesians chapter six? We're talking about the armor of God. Last week, we talked about the belt of truth, and we're moving on to the next piece of armor, but we're going to read from verse 10 through 14. It says this, finally, yeah, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 14, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We need to be reminded of that today, don't we, church? That our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I've got some struggles going on with people. And I have to remind myself that I'm not actually wrestling with people. But what do we wrestle against? We wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I am wearing a belt today, by the way. I wasn't last. I was. I should have wore it last week, but I'm wearing it today. And with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Last week we talked about how the devil either wants to get you to believe that he's not real, that he's just some Halloween costume display, this hooved and horned red devil with a pitchfork, and it's ridiculous to think of him. So he either wants to get you to believe that he's not real or that he's just as powerful as God. And both are lies. The devil is real. So it, is a, it, is, it would be a mistake to overestimate the devil, but it would be a mistake to underestimate the devil as well. We talked about how real our enemy is, our adversary is. The word, uh, the, the name Satan is not actually a name in the Bible. It's, it's a word that just means the adversary. And so we have an adversary that is after our souls. And Paul described our faith not as a spiritual journey, a lighthearted step through the woods with Jesus. No, it is a war for your soul. We are in a battle and you have an enemy that is coming after you. But you have also been given uh, pieces of armor that fully prepare you and fully equip you for the things to come. And God is by your side. He's given you everything that you need. So Paul moves from the least visible piece of armor, the belt, to the most visible piece, which is the breastplate of righteousness. And he's so brief in his description. And he only says that we should wear it. He doesn't give any other description about the breastplate. But I believe that this is because he assumed that his readers understood the imagery of the breastplate and what it does. The Greek word that Paul uses here in Ephesians is the word thoraka, which is where we get the word for thorax. And it's just the Greek word for breastplate. But did you know that that military troops had a nickname for the breastplate? They called it the cardio, the cardiopsulaka. Cardiopsulaka. And this word is translated heart guard. It means heart guard. It was the nickname that they gave the breastplate. And this 
this nickname perfectly describes the function of the breastplate. It guards your most vital parts, especially your heart. The, the first century, uh, they, they didn't have a lot of understanding of your organs and what did what. So the understanding of the heart was that it was the seat of your, it was the center of yourself. It was the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It, it guided you, and it, 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 it dictated the path that you were going to take. People would say, follow your heart, or don't follow your heart. But this is what Proverbs 4, 23 says. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. And God has given us a piece of equipment to protect that which is most precious and most vital to us, our heart. And so we guard it with the breastplate of righteousness. Our youngest daughter, Vivian, she's learned how to tug on my heartstrings. She's just got me wrapped around her finger. And Vivian is so, if you know my daughter Vivian, she's so gentle. She's so sweet. And one day I raised my voice in front of her. I'm not even sure I was yelling at her. I think I was yelling at one of the other kids. And she gets so, she's so empathetic that she begins to weep when, I, when I'm disciplining the other children. And she started crying. And I go to her and I go, Vivian, what's the matter? And, she's, <laughs> and she says, Daddy, you broke it my heart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. I'm done breaking your heart. I can't do that anymore. See, we instinctively protect our hearts from harm. But I would suggest to you this morning that we don't readily reach for the breastplate of righteous the, the breastplate of righteousness. We have homemade heart guards, don't we? We have homemade heart guards that we create, we've used over the course of our life. We've learned to use to protect our hearts. Maybe these are some of your homemade heart guards. These are some of mine. So maybe there's some of yours. Maybe you have this as a heart guard. We wall off our emotions, pushing them down to minimize the risk of being hurt. Maybe you're stoic and you wall off your emotions and you compartmentalize and you say, I'm not going there. I can't go there. And so you shove it down and you minimize your emotions. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you use this as a heart guard. I know that I do this. I create a persona or a brand image to keep people from seeing and possibly rejecting my true self. Maybe you create this persona, this, this image of yourself that everything's fine. I'm doing great. Jesus is good. And you wear a smile on your face, but you go home and your marriage is struggling. Your relationship with your kids are struggling. You're struggling with addiction. You're caught in a cycle of sin. And you can't let anybody see what's really going on because you're afraid that if they truly see who you really are, they would reject you. That if, so, if, if people knew the real me, they wouldn't love me. And so we create a homemade heart guard that says, I'm just going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to keep up the image. And if anybody asks, everything's fine. Come on, don't tell me you've never done this before. I'm not the only one. Maybe you have this as a heart guard. We keep ourselves distracted with the hopes that we can dull the ache of loneliness. I've, I get really into hobbies. And I get, yeah, my wife says, yup. I get really into hobbies. I get really into work. When I'm anxious, when I'm stressed, I dive into these things because I can't deal with what's really going on. So I keep myself distracted. It's a homemade heart guard that I've made for myself. And you know what? These heart guards, 
They might work to a degree. Maybe they've worked for decades for you. But they come at a high cost. These homemade heart guards come at a high price. They don't just keep your heart safe. They keep you from being known. They keep you from others seeing who you really are. They keep you from true, authentic relationship. They keep you from being truly known. I'll give you an example from my life. You know, when I was struggling or when my heart is hurting, my tendency is to create the image that everything is fine. And the the best way to keep up this charade is to isolate myself because I can keep interactions to a minimum. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I isolate myself because I want to keep interactions to a minimum. I put on a brave face when I have to because I'm the pastor. And people expect things of me. They expect me to know what's going on. They expect me to have joy. They expect me to not struggle. And that's what, that's what the job of a pastor is, right? To be perfect. So I got to keep it on. And then I crawl back into my hole throughout the week. And I'm also very good at keeping myself distracted with work or hobbies, like, as I mentioned before. I remember a time in 2018, and I was frustrated with my job at the church. I was wrestling with secret sin at the time, and I felt as though I couldn't truly be myself for fear of rejection. And I thought to myself, if people really knew what their worship pastor was going through, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't like me. So I can't truly be myself. And I created a homemade heart guard. And so I watched as Christina would leave for Bible studies and meetups with her girlfriends, and she would try to uh, get dinner dates together with uh, their husbands and me. And I was like, no, just, just don't do that anymore. Just, you, you just keep going to your Bible studies with your girlfriends, but I don't want to hang out with their husbands, okay? And so I, I kept myself at home while she went out in relationship and community with other people. While she was being known, I was isolating. And finally, Christina challenged me to be in community with people regardless. She said, you're not okay. This is not you. You're different. You need people. You need community. And she challenged me to start putting myself back out there and letting people see the real me. So when I finally confessed my secret sin to those closest to me, it was met with incredible grace incredible love and there is no feeling there's nothing that compares when somebody knows all of you and they still love you and accept you i think it's one of the most beautiful things about marriage honestly is because a marriage is designed in such a way that when you are with your spouse you know your spouse sees the good the bad and the ugly people right they know everything but the beautiful thing about a healthy marriage is that you, when you marry a spouse who knows everything about you, every good, bad, ugly thing, and they still love you and still accept you, there's no better feeling than being seen, than being known. So our attempts at self-protection, they have an element of hiding within, within them, don't they? We mimic Adam and Eve in the garden. And we reach for the nearest flimsy fig leaves to cover up. We're, we're, we're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid of God seeing who I really am. We're afraid of people, of, of our spouses seeing who we really are. And so we reach for the nearest thing to cover up. So we minimize the shame. We minimize the chances of being rejected. And it's a tale as old as time. It's been happening from the very beginning. We fear exposing our true selves to people, but mostly we fear that we're too ugly for even God to see everything. And if God, if you really, uh, you know, 
God, your sacrifice was good enough for them, but I'm not sure it was good enough for me. God, you know, I'm glad that you're helping them out, but I've been wrestling with this for decades, and I can't seem to change, and you must have already run out of second chances, right? God, you're done. Your 70 times 7 is up, and I'm, I'm out. We think this subconsciously about ourselves, that there's a limit to God's grace. But there is no limit to God's grace, church, and this is what we're talking about this morning. There is a healthier way to protect our hearts without cutting ourselves off from what we need the most. And the best defense is the, is the righteousness that God provides. There's no dark side to the breastplate of righteousness. There is no bad thing that comes with the breastplate of righteousness. It is perfectly suited for what you need. You know, I don't think many Christians are clear in their minds about what righteousness even means. It's confusing. We generally equate righteousness with self-righteousness. A righteous person is someone who is striving to be good. And we think Paul is saying that our integrity will protect us and our right behavior will keep us safe. But that is, that's, that's exactly the opposite of what Paul is communicating. He's not communicating anything about your behavior or what you bring to the table. In fact, he says this in Romans 3.20. He says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Basically, by what you can do. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. See, Paul is saying here in Romans 3.20 that... That your works don't cut it. That every time you on your best day, the best version of yourself will always fall short of God's standards. That there's nothing you can do to earn righteousness. It's not good enough. No matter how Christian it sounds, clean living makes no headway in your right standing with God. You can't make God love you any more and you can't make God love you any less. I am so thankful for that. Now, if I can just get that from here to right here, I got to get it from here to here and understand that God loves me unconditionally, regardless of how I behave or what I do. I am still his son. Are there consequences for my sin? Yes, but those are consequences that I brought on, not God. God is the one who saves me from sin. And then Paul goes on in the very next verse after 320, he goes into 321. He says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified. That word right there means just as if I'd never sinned. It's you've been righteousized. You've been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Righteousness is a free gift received not by behaving, but by believing that Jesus paid the full price for your sin. I'm going to read that again. It is a free gift received not by behaving, but by believing that Jesus paid the full price for your sin. Imagine a priceless vase That's been bumped from its pedestal and it's in danger of crashing to the floor. And just before it hits the the ground, someone reaches out and catches it and 
tips it back up on its pedestal and puts it right. It puts it in right standing. This is exactly what Jesus did with you and I, is that he reached out and caught us, and he puts us back right where we were before. It's just as if we'd never fell. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? That when the Bible says that God forgives sins, it says that he forgives them, he, he casts them as far as the east is from the west, and it is a, a metaphor for saying that he completely erases it. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't hold your sin against you at all. It has, it has no effect on your right standing when you are in Jesus Christ, when you believe in his righteousness that it was good enough to pay the price for your sin. But Jesus puts us back in right standing with God. It's sometimes easier to believe that Jesus made others righteous than to believe it for yourself. And it's often difficult it's often a difficult mental feat to equip the breastplate of righteousness. So, so how do I know that I'm wearing this equipment? How do I know that I've put on the breastplate of righteousness? Well, here's another thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Those who wear the breastplate securely can be identified by their humility in the presence of people and their confidence in the presence of God. Their humility in the presence of people and their confidence in the presence of God. Let's talk about humility in the presence of others. The righteousness of Christ doesn't lead to arrogance or self-righteousness. You're not wearing God's, you are not wearing God's armor if you are judgmental of others or think of your behavior as more deserving of grace than someone else's behavior. Remember, you did nothing to earn this free gift, so, so it should be uh, it, it should be void of pride and condemnation towards other people. That when you wear the breastplate of righteousness, you understand that you are on the same playing field as everyone else. That you are just as deserving of death and punishment as everyone else. That your sin wasn't any less grave than their sin. You are all on the same playing field. And so when you wear the breastplate of righteousness, you understand that it is not your righteousness that you are wearing. It is God's armor. It is his righteousness. The righteousness of God comes from an understanding of what Christ has accomplished, and it exudes humility. It extends the same grace that you were given to the, the, the people around you. When you wear the breastplate of righteousness, you have humility in the presence of others. You also have confidence in the presence of God. At the same time that you have humility around people, uh, someone who puts on the righteousness of Christ no longer feels any shame for the sins of their past. They understand that, that they, they don't have to work themselves out of a hole, that Jesus already did that for them on the cross. Instead, someone who wears the breastplate, they are aware that they have full access to a relationship with God, and nothing hinders them from, from experiencing the fullness of his love. Nothing is separating you from the fullness of his love when you put on the righteousness of Jesus. And the person who wears the breastplate, their prayers don't sound like pleading or begging. And they don't wonder if God cares or is listening to them. Instead, they're fully aware that God has made them a son or a daughter. And he wants to partner with them in their prayers. How are we with getting that communion? It's good to go. Can we pass that communion out as we, as, as, as we go into this next part? I want to ask Mary to come up. and We're not done yet, but I want to pass out this communion because I, I want to do a little exercise with you. I think they're going to, 
Are you just going to bring it through the rows and pass it through the rows? Okay, great. We don't usually do that, but hey, we're trying something new today. I want to take us through a simple exercise to help identify the truth about our right standing with God. And we have things that feel unright about us, don't we? We all have things that feel unright or we have negative words or thoughts that influence the way that we interact with God, the way that we interact with other people. And so here's what I want us to do. I, I was going to have you close your eyes, but I know you need your eyes open to, to catch the communion. But I, wanna, I want you to, so, so instead of closing your eyes, I want you just to focus right here, okay? I know that the communion's being passed out, but this is really important, church. Because there's a reason that these things, there's a reason that righteousness is identified as armor. It protects you, Right? But you also have to understand that there's an enemy who wants to strip righteousness from you. He wants you to believe that you are not in right standing with God, that you are somebody else, that you are still the same old sinner that you were before, and you'll never get out of that cycle of sin. You'll never be free. You'll always not be good enough. You'll always be striving. There's an enemy that is trying to convince you of these things, church. And we have to understand that these are lies. And so what I want us to do is I want us this morning to identify some of these negative words, some of these negative thoughts that we think about ourselves. And so maybe if you have the ability to, you can close your eyes or just focus on me. But I'm going to read off some of these words, these negative words. And if you if, uh, make a mental note of these words that might trigger something in your spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel confused feel confused thank you oh I didn't grab the thank you I didn't know there was two maybe you're here this morning and you feel confused you feel as though um, you feel as though you've heard different different truths throughout your life or maybe um, you're not sure what to believe about yourself maybe you're here this morning and the word that might ring true in your ears is brokenness. I feel broken. My heart is broken. I've been broken throughout the course of my life. Maybe you're in this room and you feel afraid. You would say, I live in fear a lot. I read the news. I see the news on TV. I get on my Facebook and I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm safe. This world that we live in is crazy. Maybe that, maybe as I read that word, you go, yeah, that's me. I feel afraid at times. Maybe the word for you is guilty. I feel guilty. Undeserving of love. I feel deserving of punishment. I am guilty. Perhaps the word for you is wounded. You're hurt. I feel wounded. Perhaps the word for you is, I feel frozen. I feel unable to move, unable to make decisions. I feel stuck where I'm at. I don't feel like I'm progressing towards anything. My relationship with God or others or my, my career, whatever that may be. Maybe you feel frozen in your life. Maybe you feel ashamed. And you regret 
some of the things you've done in your past. Maybe the word for you this morning is I feel small. I feel insignificant. I feel vulnerable. I feel small. Maybe the word for you this morning is I feel weak. I feel powerless. I feel powerless to change the things in my life. I feel powerless to do anything. Those are the lies of the enemy. Those are the negative thoughts that we have to guard our hearts from. And that's why we put on the breastplate. It's because those negative words will determine the course of your life if you let them. They will determine the direction of your life. And here's what the Lord says about you. If you're here and you feel confused, the Lord wants you to know that you are guided. The Holy Spirit is guiding you. He's leading you. And he lights your way. You might feel like you're in darkness, but the Holy Spirit has never left your side and he will light your way. He is guiding you. Maybe you feel broken. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that you are whole, that you are not broken. You are whole. That Jesus, this is what we, this is what we celebrate and what we remember as we take communion is that this body that was broken for us on the cross actually made you whole. Your mind, your body, your spirit, everything. It made you a whole person. Maybe you're here and your word that you've been believing is afraid. God wants you to know that you are loved. That you are loved. And perfect love casts out all fear, doesn't it? That when you know that you are loved by God, that he's not letting you go, it casts out all fear. Perhaps your word this morning is you feel guilty. The Lord wants you to know this morning that you are forgiven. That he truly has forgiven you. When you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here and you feel wounded. God wants you to know that you are healed. He is the healer. He wants to bring healing to your life. He has said it. It is so And his word is not untrue. But his word says that we have healing because of Jesus. And maybe we need to claim that over our lives today. Maybe you're here and you feel frozen, unable to move, unable to take ground. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that you are freed, that you are powerful. The power of the Holy Spirit, he has freed you. Maybe you feel ashamed. The Lord wants you to know that you are confident. You can be confident in the presence of God that his righteousness is good enough, that it is all you need. You don't have to live in shame anymore. Maybe you're here, you feel small, and the Lord wants you to know that you are protected, that you may feel small, you may feel insignificant, but he has surrounded you with his power and his protection. You are protected in Jesus. He's got your back. Maybe you're here and you feel weak. The Lord wants you to know that you are strengthened through his spirit. That is the truth. And when you wear the breastplate of righteousness, no longer do you believe that you're confused and broken and afraid and guilty, wounded, frozen, ashamed, small or weak. When you wear the breastplate of righteousness, it is an indication It is a confirmation that you are guided, that you are whole, that you are loved and you're forgiven, you're healed, you're freed, you're confident, you're protected, and you're strengthened. And like I said, we need to move that from up here to down here. 
from being a mental thing to our prayer lives completely changing. How many of us approach God as if he's mad at me? And I don't know if he's listening right now because I've done too many bad things. We approach God that way, don't we? But he wants us to approach him with confidence. Knowing, Jesus, thank you that your sacrifice was good enough to cleanse me of my sin. And now there is nothing that the Lord holds against me. I have full access to the Father because I am his son. And anything I ask for, it says in his word, it will be given to me if I pray for it in faith. I'm so thankful that we have the breastplate of righteousness to protect us from the lies of the enemy. We guard our hearts because our hearts, everything flows from our hearts. It it determines the course and direction of our life. And God wants to protect your heart this morning with his righteousness. As you were reading these truths, you may have noticed a voice in your head that was trying to convince you that it isn't true. And that's the enemy. Paul's warning us about why the belt of truth comes first. Why we believe the word of the Lord. Why we believe the voice of the Lord, not the voice of the enemy. The belt of truth encircles us. It comes first. And we put on the righteousness of Christ. And this morning as we take communion, this is a confirmation of what Jesus has done. It is a remembrance of what is done. We call it a sacrament. And really it is a a physical display of a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. And when we take communion together, we are not only remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shared for me, but we are living it once again with Jesus. We are identifying with him in his death and his resurrection. And so would you take the bread and would you close your eyes? Just settle your heart right now. All the confusion, all the the shame, feeling vulnerable, feeling small. Sit in the truth of that, that God says over you. You are protected. You are forgiven. Just take 30 seconds right now to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak something over you. breastplate of righteousness from Jesus. He took it from him so that he could experience the full weight of sin. And you know who he gave that breastplate to? He gave it to you. He said, you wear my son's armor. Put it on because he's taken the full blame for your sin. I want you to wear this righteousness. Jesus, we're so thankful that you gave us your righteousness so that your body could be broken for our sin we could experience wholeness and healing, that our minds could be set free, that our families could be set free. God, you are all that sustains us. Jesus, your body is enough. We don't live on alone, but by every word of God, you are the word of God, Jesus, and we believe that you are enough. 
We're so thankful for your body that was broken. Would you, if you believe that, would you take this with me? Take the bread. Take the cup. Jesus, we thank you that what we hold in our hands, this juice that symbolizes your blood, we understand that this is what brought us freedom from sin. It brought us close to you. And Lord, as we drink this today, as what we, what we do is we say, Lord, we want to take part. We want you to be a part of us. We want your, the blood that was shed for us. We want that righteousness to be in us, to be all throughout us. And Father, we remember that once again, that your righteousness was enough for us. Anything we ask for in faith, we can have because of what you did, not by our power, but by yours. If you believe that, would you take this with me? Would you stand with me? I want to invite the ministry teams to come forward. Our ministry teams can make your way to the front. You know what? We were praying We were praying for you, church, this morning before we got started. And when my dad actually prayed for, my dad was praying that you would have the boldness to ask God for something that you need. That you would have the boldness, the courage to come forward and to ask for what you need. And, and we're not going to make a spectacle of it. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. We simply want to partner with you in prayer so that you're not alone. And so maybe you've been isolating. Maybe you've been af- afraid of being truly seen for fear of rejection. Maybe you have a need for healing in your life, for physical healing in your life, and you're afraid to ask because you're thinking, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if I don't get healed? What's that going to do to my faith? What's that going to do to me? Can I ask you a question? What if you did get healed? What if, what if Jesus is, what if the word of God is true? What if God really does want the best for your life? What if he really does have something extravagant for you? And so this morning, as Mary plays, I want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. And we're just going to stay here in just a moment. But bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, I pray that you would give boldness and courage to the people out here who might feel frozen in their faith. Would you free them this morning, Holy Spirit? Activate their faith. Bring them up, God, so that they could see a move of God in their life. And I pray, Jesus, Lord, that that you would increase our faith this morning. We thank you, God, that it's all about where we place our faith. Our faith is in you. Our faith is in you, Jesus. We're so thankful for who you are and what you've done. And everyone said, amen. Did you want to share something, Mary? So Blake and I had the opportunity the beginning of this month to meet with pastors, um, just other Foursquare pastors and leaders in our area. And then I also got to go the next week to a women's conference, over 500 women, um, just getting filled with the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And um, sometimes in Ephrata, we just get in this little, I mean, it's a small town, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We all know that. (laughs) But that... We, we don't realize that God is moving, you guys. God is moving in huge, mighty ways all over the world. 
and we don't see it a lot of the times we're just kind of in our in our day-to-day or just in our small town but I want to open your eyes to the fact that God is doing something in this time and he's getting us ready for something big and I don't know what that is don't ask me but I can feel it in my spirit and I know that many of you feel it too that God is preparing to do something to move and so um, as we're talking about the armor of God um, and, and just the imagery that has come with that with several leaders that I've talked to is um, the battle of David and Goliath, like the Philistines and the Israelites. The Israelites were cowered in their camp for a long time. And I feel like us as a church, and many people feel this way too, that Big C Church, we've been cowered in our camp, just like, God protect us, God protect us. And that's that's okay for a season, but it's time to armor up, and it's time to move into the enemy's camp. It's time to fight. And so as, we, as we're talking about the armor of God, this is something that... Um, I think God wants to personally do in each one of us where it's, it's, um, it's a theme and it's kind of a metaphor uh, for our spiritual walk and, and what's going on in our spiritual lives. And I just want, I want you guys to open your heart to what God is speaking to you about armoring up. And so last week we talked about the belt of, belt of truth, which is the word of God. And we, I mean, on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, we are in the world. And we sure know the world, but do we know the word? And we need to start getting into our word. We need to know the word. And so I think some of you, maybe you feel like sluggish about the word or like it's boring or it just doesn't have this like fire to it. And so I want to pray for you guys this morning. Um, that there would be a passion and a fire that would light in you to want to devour the word of God and to go to the source for what he's saying to you, for that truth. And then today we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and the fact that it's not us. It's not by our power or by anything that we did. It's all God. It's all the power of God. And I think we get in our heads about, oh, really, you could use me, God, or, or I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped enough. I, I feel that way all the time. Like, why would you want to use me, God? I, I can't do it. And I can't. He's the one who does it. And so as we took communion and as we are um, reminding our bodies and our souls of the word of God and of what he says about us, um, I want to pray for those people, too, that just feel like they're not good enough. And what Blake said this morning, that we would we would step out in faith more often and that we would believe what God says is true and that we would begin to armor up. Do you want me to pray? Yeah. So if you, oh, sorry. So if you are one of those people and you say, I want a greater passion for the word of God. I want to know his word more. I want to love his word. I want to want his word and want to read it and want to get to know him deeper through his word specifically, would you raise your hand and say, I want that? Yeah, I want that. All right. And then those of you who say, okay, I need to know deep in my bones that it's not me, it's God. And to get rid of that lie that says that I'm not good enough or that I'm not capable or that God can't use me. If you need that today, Would you raise your hand and say, I want that. I want to know 
that it's God, it's not me. I want to get rid of that lie. That's awesome. Okay, let's pray. Father, you are so good. You are so kind, gentle. I pray, God, that as you are calling us to step in to what you have for us, you are calling us higher, you are calling us deeper. I pray, God, that you would place in us a passion and a fire and a yearning that was not there before, God, a longing for your word, a longing to know you through what you left for us. God, that we would discover your truth and that it would come alive. Holy Spirit, that as we read your word, you would come and make it alive to us as we read. I pray, God, for testimonies this week that as people open their Bible, that it would come alive in in a way that they have never read it that way before and that they would come back next week with stories, Blake and I, about how they read it and they've read this passage a million times, but this time God spoke to them. And I pray that would be what happens this week, God, in Jesus' name. And I just pray for a passion, a passion for your word. God, I pray for those that aren't feeling like they're not good enough. God, that they don't, they don't understand in their bones that there's not this realization that you came and that you are enough, that we will never be enough, but that you are and that you are in us that you, your breath makes us alive. You are in our very bones and our spirits and all of us. And God, that it is you, not us. And so I pray that that lie would be broken in the name of Jesus. The lie that we are not enough, that you can't use us, that you can't um, equip us or, or any of that, God. I pray that that lie would be broken in the name of Jesus and that we would move mightily in and to step into what you have called us to. Ministry is not just what we do up here, guys. Ministry is what you do in your daily lives and your spheres of influence and those people around you that God has given to you to show his love. And so I pray for uh, just an empowering of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And if you need this more specific prayer, please come up and let us pray with you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place for the passion and the fire that is being birthed. Would you seal it in the name of Jesus? Would you write it on our hearts that today we would remember is the day that we stepped into battle, that we armored up, that we continue to do that daily, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.